You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash rs10 today. What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-host, Raul and Shu. We're happy to welcome back Brian Geisinger with us, friend of the pod. We're going to dissect a little bit of the Wake Forest game. So we're recording this a few days later because we wanted to have Brian come on. He's kind of been covering both teams here a little bit, was at the game. I predicted a loss on the pod last time because I just thought this was one of those short turnarounds. Wake's really good um ended up going our way so duke takes down wake forest 77 69 never trailed was tied a few times uh another big game for mark mitchell i think that's his third straight ken palm mvp there so we'll talk about that a little bit we'll talk about flip with another nice bounce back game especially defensively got a hit on jared mccain um and then we'll do a little bit of round table stuff here but uh brian let's just kind of jump right in um Let's start just with the defense overall, and then we'll get into some specific players here. The first half, kind of a bad product, I guess, watching it, right? Like Wake starts 0 of 10 from 3. They scored 27 points in the first half. Um, Really was barely scraping to get to 60 in this game for the most Mm -hmm. part. Was there anything intentional that you thought Duke was really doing to force that? Or was it just kind of, you know, Wake's just missing some shots here and, you know, they couldn't get up and down the way they wanted to? Like, what did you see just kind of globally? Yeah, I thought, um, I'd be curious to hear what you guys thought, like, watching too. The It was it was, it was a lot of intensity, like, early on. And you could tell both these teams were, like, pretty eager to, to get at it. Um, I think Efton Reed really wanted a piece of Kyle Filipowski. Um, mm. I think, I think Hunter Salas wants a piece of everyone kind of like, and I sure. don't blame him. He's that dude is incredible. And he put on a, on a show. Um, I thought 
I mean, like if you're if you're a wake person, like uh, you know, unfortunately, they got probably like the worst Cam Hildreth game of the season. You know, really, really tough showing, and you know, maybe that was some of Duke's you know length and athleticism on the perimeter. Not like I think this Duke team is like you know sort of like vintage Duke in terms of its like you know length and and explosion on on the perimeter. Um, but the the Hildreth McCain matchup was fun just because like you know, find me two shooting guards that, you know, can squat more weight than those guys. Mm-hmm. Like they're both just absolute <laughs> tanks. Um, and then I thought, you know, I, I was at the game and obviously like very fun to be at the game, but you kind of can't see everything when you're there. And so I right. rewatched the game. Um, I started last night and finished it earlier this evening again. And I would just say like, it was a team effort. I think like across the board, Jared McCain like continues to come on as like a team defender and is just like hitting his spots. I thought he was really good also in the Boston College game, like rotating around. But I think like real big tip tip of the cap to Filipowski and, and Mark yeah. Mitchell. Like they were those dudes were everywhere. They were everywhere. Um Mitchell switched a ton in this game. Flip guarded ball screens at least four different ways, maybe more. Um he was in the drop some, he was up at the level, he hedged, he blitzed, and he switched a lot. And that was the other thing I thought I noticed on the rewatch was that he switched more than I sort of like had the impression of um, while being at the game. And um, look, man, Wake's guards are really good. Like, yeah. Boopy Miller, Hunter Salas, Kim Hildreth, uh, Parker Friedrichson, you know, the shooter off the bench. Like they've got, they've got horses, you know, they really do. Um, and then they've got a guy like Andrew Carr who can like, you know, he handles it a lot for them. He initiates a lot of handoffs for them, like and in the front court, you know, kind of like how Flip and and, and Mark Mitchell do for for Duke. And, and certainly they play through Efton Reed a lot, you know, when he's when he's on the floor. Um, stating the obvious, I thought the foul trouble of Reed and Carr, you know, had a huge impact on the game, just in terms of when Reed's out, it's much easier to like I think flatten wakes def- wakes offense out and switch and keep the ball in front. And then you're not having to worry about Reed, you know, uh, posting up on a small or, or mashing the offensive glass. You know, Reed's gotten so good at those, like, you know, Tyson Chandler back tap, mm-hmm. you yep. know, like, like Mark Mitchell was a couple of seasons ago, like Duke really, you know, worked on, on that with Williams and um, no, yeah. Mark Williams, not Mark Mitchell is right. what I, I meant to say yeah. um, <laughs> and, and lively to an extent too, but Reed is like really, he gets like two or three of those per game. It seems like he um, was playing really physical with flip. I think he had yeah. the kind of had a, almost like a chokehold on flip right in front of you. The Corey even said something about it on the broadcast. <laughs> like that's a <laughs> yeah. foul. Like, yeah, the, <laughs> I mean, there was one possession in the second half when Reed had four fouls. Oh Yeah. And I mean, like, I, like I was surprised they called uh, a block on on flip. Like they were, they, you know, that was another thing too. Like Duke double teamed the post early in the game, like literally on the first possession, and yeah. Reed hit Carr for a dunk. Yep. And then down the stretch, um, with flip, you know, the offense also like flowing through him. He's doing all these things, guarding pick and roll. He played what the entire second half too, and also he's got to guard one-on-one in the post against that guy <laughs> like <laughs> you know reads one of like the meanest strongest guys in the country um but yeah that one possession you know they were isolated on the like left you know mid post area and you know looked like reed dipped the shoulder and then extended the the elbow arm left arm a little bit into him but they they whistled flip that to me felt like if he had had three fouls instead of four 
that would yeah, have been a charge. Sure, yeah. They, they I, call that. I, yeah. I, I tend to agree. Uh, someone who I spoke with after the game seemed to think they thought like, I, I was like, I mean, uh, they, their, their interpretation was like flip flopped on the play. And if he had just guarded straight up, he didn't like need to embellish anything. Like there was a call coming and I was like, I don't know. That's a flop, man. Like a really strong person <laughs> shoved him. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at it again. R- regardless, it's not worth getting too, too caught up on that. But I just thought flips defensive effort, you know, he was he was kind of everywhere. And he had two um two like monster like team defensive plays. Um, one was a block at the rim, and then another one was he switched out onto Hunter Salas, who again yeah. it's like Yeah, was that the one he switched hands as Hunter was fading away? And, well, there was yeah. one where he he like Salas tried to throw the ball over oh, the yeah, top. Yeah, okay. And he yeah. just I mean, just quick just I mean, it. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just just immediately threw his hands up and grabbed it. I mean, it was like, you know, this is a this is an un, honestly an unfair comparison, but it was like, you know, it's like, that's like what Kawhi Leonard does like on a yep. nightly basis. And he just like, Nope, I'm not going to let you pass the ball over the top. I'm just taking it out of the air. Um, and like, I mean, Salas is like one of the most terrifying guys to be switched out on, yep. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and Boopy Miller's no walk in the park. Like, I think he's the fastest guy in the ACC. Um, I think you know, Marcus Burton at Notre Dame is pretty fast too. Um, but I, I think I would give that to you, you've to seen Miller. Booby play a lot more than I does he make what I don't know what his three point percentage is, but I know yeah, like low, low thirties. He may okay. he makes them. He can make them. And okay. he can make them, you know, off the catch, you know, pick and roll if you go under the screen, step back. He's got like I will say this. Um he's got kind of an elongated shot, but he can create enough space one on one because he's you know, he's quick. Um and he gets you leaning like he's gonna drive and he can pull yeah. back and do that type of stuff. And then, you know, obviously a lot of teams want to go under the pick and roll on him, try to meet him on the other side of the screen and he can lift up and he can shoot off the catch. Like he, he's, he's not like an amazing shooter, but he's pretty good. What I will say, and I noticed this before the game, watching him, watching Miller warm up and he's awesome. Like the dude's one of the best guards in the league. He's incredible. He's makes great decisions. Generally he had a rough game against Duke, but very fast, makes very good decisions with the ball can score pass touches the paint all the stuff you would want from like a lead guard but uh he shoots the ball with like a, a lot of like side spin like it, it it looks like it looks like it's coming out on like a diagonal like the ball matt is not jones rotating shoot, matt jones yeah. used to have that kind of shire kind of had a little bit of yeah, a little yeah, yeah. side swing yeah when i was growing up uh as a growing up in winston i was a big wake forest fan they'd have they'd have like a stretch uh forward named chris ellis i don't know if you mm-hmm. remember him or not um, he was there like in the mid aughts and uh, they call him like the sidewinder because like, he's the same thing. He like, like was a, a pick and pop, you know, shooter would be actually like very good in today's game. Um, he would just shoot more threes now, but like, he was the same thing. He had the sort of like, it just looked like he was coming out like a curveball kind of like, it just has weird spin on it. Um, but he's like, he's usually, I mean, that, that was probably the worst game he's had all season too. Um, he has been awesome for them this season against very good competition, generally mm-hmm. speaking. Um, I just thought like Duke size, the, the length Mitchell switching out flip switching out. Um, Mark Mitchell also had an incredible block in the first half oh, yeah. of that game with about eight and a half yeah. minutes to play. Where he got him solace. Yeah. The, solace thought it was a goaltend and yeah, I don't, no, I don't think no, it was. It I, I, I watched it again earlier today. I, I don't think it was a goaltend. Like he, he came, I mean, he did come out of nowhere to get it, but like that was awesome because to me, 
again, I, the last couple of games, it's really been like, wow, Mark has like found his groove on offense again, and he, he was obviously incredible against against Wake. He was wonderful against um, you know, Boston College the other night too. But that play where he flew over to to, to block Salas was that was like the Mitchell late last season that I started to get excited about defensively. Um, and I was like pretty certain that like he was going to be a big swing piece for Duke this season for all of the obvious reasons, because like they needed him defensively, like they needed his ability to like switch out. They needed him to be, to give them some length and athleticism on the back line. Um, and one of the things that's been, I think like somewhat encouraging the last couple of games has been like, you know, like I know Sean Stewart didn't have like, you know, got in foul trouble early. Then they just had to ride Flip and, and, and yep. Mitchell down the stretch. But like having Mitchell play better, play this way, like more assertive, making some shots and flying around on the back line defensively as a helper. And then like Sean Stewart doing some of that stuff. They just, they feel like a little bit like range, more rangy, more athletic now. Um, I don't think that's like a strength of this team. But having those guys like more involved, it it does it changes like the math a little bit on them. I, I feel like um, in a, in, a, in like a positive way. And I think Sean has played, you know, like he's going to be out of position once or twice. You know, if you play him for twelve minutes or whatever in a game, but like he plays that he plays so hard and he's so athletic, like a special vertical athlete, and he's pretty skilled too. So um, there's something there with him. It's just. It may and maybe it's coming on now. We'll see. Um, I'm not all the way there yet, but I have been pretty encouraged with that. But yeah, just back to the weight game. I thought it was. I thought they were connected. There were very few like breakdowns in this game. I thought Duke. This is sort of like grabbing the low hanging fruit. I thought they did an awesome job getting back. Like Wake is a team that can fly. Mm-hmm. Again, they've got Solace. Everyone on the team can push them. All five of their starters can push the ball. Um, there were maybe a couple of times they lost Monsanto in transition where he, you know, he loves sort of like trailing the play and floating and like looking for catch and shoot threes. Um, and there was that one stretch in the first half. He made two of them the back, to back, back. Yeah, back to back. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, don't let, you know, yeah. <laughs> don't let this guy get rolling if you're Duke. Um, but other than that, I thought they did a good job getting back and like taking away the rim. And with Wake, that's like where you have to start, honestly, like because Steve Forbes is, He's really great. Like he's he's, he's yeah. a very good coach. That staff is very good, very very good. They scheme really good offense, and it starts with them finding ways to like punch the paint and get to the rim. And I thought Duke just said like we're not letting you have that in transition. Um, and then certainly just like what Mitchell and Flip did, I thought switching out and then being active at the rim as helpers was uh, was huge in that game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wanted to come back to the dig in a little bit more to this idea of the switching defense. Um, Cause to my mind, especially of what I've seen over the last like four or five games, that should be kind of Duke's baseline defense going forward. Cause to me, that's when they look best. Um, especially like you said, with uh, Sean Stewart uh, playing more and then Mark Mitchell kind of coming on. And I think just flip has the mobility to do that. Um, in this game, there was a stretch midway through the second half where Flip started playing and drop more often, mm-hmm. and uh, Salas was able to get to the rim like four or five times in a row. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to get your general thoughts on that. Should that be their kind of default defense going forward? What do you think? I think for them, it's because I've thought about this a lot, and there was a stretch of the season where the drop became probably became their base for a few games. Um, 
and I was like, I, I was like happy to see it for them. I, I was like, this is this is the right idea. And I thought Flip was doing a really nice job playing it. Um, <clears throat> I think obviously like Mitchell as a switch guy, yes, hundred percent. And like they just generally how they use him. I mean, sometimes when he's guarding screens, they're going to have him, you know, blitz and recover, or you know, sometimes he's going to be up at the level and recover. Um, but most often he's going to be in, in a switch. Um, and it's great to have a guy like that who you can trust to, to, to handle some of that stuff. I mean, there's so many possessions per game where it's like Mitchell switches out and then there's another screen, you know, Mitchell switches the first screen then on the next screen flip switches or, you know, flip is in a drop. And so they, I just think for them, it's like, and I've talked with, with John Shire about this after a couple of games this season, like, talked with him about it last year with regards to Derek Lively. Like, they want to blend, you know? Um, they want to be able to roll out, I think, a couple of different coverages. But absolutely, like, switch is a huge part for them. Um, keeps the ball in front. You're making teams go longer into the shot clock. They've got some guards, really Jared McCain, that can rebound. And that becomes, like, a big piece, right? Like, if you're going to switch your seven-footer out onto opposing ones and twos, then that means you're going to have to figure out how you want a defensive rebound, right? And you've got to be able to box out and have guys make sure they get into the paint and, and again, look to box out, you know, win their assignments and then compete for, for offensive rebounds. Um, but even like the Boston College game, I thought was really impressive because they did something that, um, you know, plenty of teams have done to, to BC this year. But with Quentin Post, you've got a seven-footer that can pick and pop. And so they put Mark Mitchell on Quentin Post. Yep. They put uh, Filipowski on McLaughlin, uh, the power forward. And when Post was off the court and the backup center was on, they would flip. They would put, they would, they would switch the matchups to like five on five, four on four. And they would put Filipowski or Ryan Young occasionally on the center. Um, and then put, and then when Post would come back on, they would put Mark Mitchell on, on, on the Quinn Post. But then they would, uh, like if once a guard was switched on to Quentin Post and he would try to go and down low to get uh you know take advantage of his size on the block, if Kyle Filipowski was in a good spot, he would scramble or scram switch behind the play. He would switch on to Post in the low block and then have you know Jared McCain or Jeremy Roach have that guy then float to uh, the power forward Boston College McLaughlin and. Um, one, you're staying out of rotation, which is big. You're making teams go longer into the shot clock, which is big. And you're also making teams uh, have to go one-on-one a little bit more and mm. not get into their flow offensively. Um, and, like, you know, I think, generally speaking, that's a that's a good thing uh, for Duke. So I like it. You know, I don't think their, like, rotations have been terrible this season. Like, when they've been, when they've been had to be up at the level or – or in drop, I think there's some games they've done a really nice job being solid in the drop, fighting over the screen, having the other guys stay home on shooters. So I like the fact that they can mix it up, honestly. Um, but I think like if they like need to get a stop, um, I think my guess is that like you know, you know obviously it's matchup dependent, but my guess would be they would use this, they would use they'd be switching everything, you know. Yeah. Um, but but I think I think they I think they like the fact that they can they can mix it up and, and they do. Um, quite a bit, I would say. They, they they throw even like I said earlier in the, in the weight game alone. You know they again they 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 guarded screen roll with with flip alone probably four or five different ways in that game. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, needless to say, if uh, you got Ryan Young out there, um, maybe the switch is not what you want to go with. <laughs> <laughs> but they, but they had he. There was one one of. I mean, he played very little against yeah. Wake. Yeah, he switched the, on to the alley right out over. Yeah. It, but he didn't <laughs> score on it, but I yeah, knew it was coming. <laughs> he switched on to out onto Miller or Salas on one play in that game. Um, I mean, part of it is like. You know, if he switches out, then you have everyone just like show help early, right? Like it's right. that's the, the it just becomes that you gotta like know your personnel, um, and you're gonna have everyone sink in a little bit, boxes and elbows, and just sort of like be ready to to help out if teams are gonna try to like isolate against Young. But the his Young switching out is gonna happen more like later in the shot clock, right? Like if there's yep. a screen with like eight seconds left or whatever, then yeah, Ryan Young will switch out onto it. An ACC guard, but obviously that's like not the base when he's in <laughs> yeah. the game. Yeah, definitely not ideal for sure. Um, well, well, let's take a quick break and then I want to come back and let's talk about the guard play a little bit. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, let's come back. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the guards here, Brian. So obviously we got a, we got a ton of them. Um, I want to key in on a few here, and I guess we'll start with the good. Um, you know, I guess it goes without saying, Roach has just been Mr. Reliable, Mr. Consistent for us when healthy. Um, I loved late in the game where he just kind of demanded the solace matchup. Um, and that was a time where, like, we weren't switching as much. Like, Roach was kind of fighting through some of those car screens there a little bit. Um, we've got McCain's kind of getting unlocked, something that you've kind of been talking a lot about on Twitter. And I think you talked about it in the BC game is those little like flare screens that we've been using for McCain. I think it was BC where we come right out of the half. Mm -hmm. We run one where he gets loose, hits the little wing three. We run it immediately again and it unlocked Mark because they were making them kind of make a decision on, mm -hmm. are you giving up this three? Are you going to sag off flip? And then he'll take it off the bounce or you got Mark Mitchell diving here um talk a little bit just about that action what it really does for us and kind of how we get into it and because you can't abuse it too much but i think it does offer enough flexibility where you can kind of hammer it unless they're just gonna do something to stop it yeah exactly and they actually tried that little uh like elbow flare one variation of it out of a timeout during the weight game 
Um, and McCain was open, and then I think it was I think I think it was Teddy Valentine, uh, pop Sean Su- pop Stewart, Sean Stewart, Stewart yeah, yeah. Yep. for a, a legal screen. And like I watched it again today, and was like, mm, I don't know. It wasn't Teddy's best game uh, the <laughs> yeah, other night. Yeah. Uh, it rarely is his best game. Yeah, that out of bounds um, call was rough too. Yeah, uh, when yeah, Mark yeah. made that amazing defensive play. Yeah, yeah. another just baffling. Again, he was he was he was pretty bad uh, the other night. <laughs> yeah, but but hey, we're we're talking about him, so sure, it, yeah. in his head, <laughs> there you you go. Know, it worked out. But no, I like generally speaking, I mean. McCain's had an awesome season. Like he's yeah. just the guy is he's unflappable. Um, he does so much good for this team. He's such a like now that he's like hitting the right notes defensively. He's you know rotating better, closing out better. The offense it just lets the offense just sing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he finds those threes in transition, whether it's a pull-up, you got to pull up one yep. um, against, uh, uh, you know, against Wake or, you know, off the catch or when he's trailing. And you can see everyone on Duke knows, like, in transition, if, like, one of the guards had the ball or if Mark or, or uh, Filipowski are pushing it up, everyone's like, where's Jared? You know, yeah. where, where is he? And when they get offensive rebounds, you know, you can see they're, like, looking to see – because he's just out there floating around like Clay Thompson. You know, like, he's just, like – looking to get a kick out three and he he hunts them in transition he hunts them on second chance opportunities and duke schemes up a lot of stuff for him and i actually asked shire about it after the boston college game and they have fun doing that he was like i think i think shire's were words were it's fun to like draw like you know draw stuff up for him um and it's important to remember that like jared even when he's done not like shooting the ball He's he's running 110 miles per hour. He, he like he's running hard off every screen. He's relocating. He moves out the ball. He cuts. Um, and so teams just have to constantly be aware of him. And he's been crucial for Duke opening up stuff in the half court. Like two like very important things for them in the half court this season. And all of these things like work together. But two very big things have been like flip as a passer. Whether it's like flip in the high post, like initiating. It's flip on the low block, like waiting to see if a double team's coming, or it's flip like in the short roll, like he runs pick and roll with with Jeremy Roach on one side. They got Jeremy McCain space to the opposite corner, opposite wing, and like sometimes it feels like flips first, like the first thing he's looking for if he's not open to like just you know power to the rim is like where's Jared? Is he open? Yeah. Like he's I'm throwing the skip pass. Like he just he opens up so much. He, flip as a passer is a huge strength of this offense, and like so much of that comes off Jared just being like an, an incredible shooter, doesn't stop moving, who has a ton of gravity. Um, and again, even on games if he's not getting up a lot of shots or you know he's you know he misses a couple in a row, like teams always have to be they have to account for him at all times. And so just like his gravity uh, and teams having to react to his movement, it opens up a lot of stuff. And one of those is. It, it gets Mark going as a screener. Um, yep. I thought like early in the season, maybe we even talked about this the last time I came on with y'all, but like, you know, they've got Mark obviously setting like a lot of ball screens. He got going as a screener against Wake Forest too, you know, running two man game with uh, mostly with Jeremy Roach, but some of Ty- some of Tyrus Proctor, but him setting those off ball flare screens, because if they're, if, if opposing defenses are going to sag off of Mark, and they, he's seen a lot of that this year. Then if he's the one setting those flare screens for Jared, when when McCain comes off, there's no 
because the, because the guy who's guarding, you know, in air quotes, guarding Mark is like, you know, sagging into the paint. When Jared comes off that screen, there's no help defender there, right? He's just running into an open space. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, half court offense is all about like finding ways to to you know to create space for your best players. Um, and then the other thing I would say with Jared too, like he, I, I'd have to like do some like digging with the numbers a little bit, but like, it does feel like we're getting a little bit more and more with him, like operating pick and roll, operating those empty side two man actions with Filipowski or with Mark Mitchell. Um, and he's not like, you know, he, he's not some, you know, break He can break a defense down too, but it, it's not like, he's not super duper quick. And like, he's not hitting with the crossover. Like right, that, right. And that's not really the right. game. Yeah. And it might, it might like one day it might be there because like he's, after every home game, he's out on the court going through drills. Like he's mm-hmm. he's working on the handle. He's working on the shot too. Um, but uh, but he's just like he makes good decisions with the ball and just like him being able to like make the obvious pass. Like he's not manipulating a defense, you know, with his eyes and you know he he manipulates defenses with his feet, not with like what he's doing, like operating a, a you know a pick and roll or whatever. Um, but he gets those empty side looks and. You know, teams, if they have to put two on the ball with him, he knows how to hit the guy on the short roll, you know. Um, and that was a big piece for uh, for Duke um, in the uh, the Wake Forest game. Um, and we can we can maybe even talk about that a little bit, just how those empty side screens kind of got really opened things up in the second half. But Jared's been awesome. Um, I just think for him, like there was the stretch early in the season where his defense was struggling uh, like after the Georgia Tech game, it was like, man, he's not even in the right spots on picking, like, you know, helping on pick and roll. And guys are attacking his top foot. They're getting downhill. The closeouts aren't good. Like all of that has just like tightened up, seriously mm-hmm. tightened up. Um, and he's rebounding the hell out of the basketball. And then like, I wasn't worried with the shot early in the year. It was like, it was such a small sample size freak out from some people. And like the shots were good. They weren't, he wasn't forcing anything. Literally in the Arizona game, he had how many? He had at least one or two shots that just like ripped out. It was like, well, mm-hmm. you literally can't do it yeah. better than that. Um, and so I just, I mean, he's been awesome. And like he, you know, he's a fun guy to watch at Cameron because like he feeds off the crowd. Like he, yeah, they, yeah. they yeah. respond to him. He responds yeah. to them. Like it's yeah. a, it's a, it's sort of like a game within the game. And uh, I just think his confidence, his movement, his shooting, the secondary playmaking the rebounding, the winning plate, that type of stuff. And again, him just like finding uh, a, a good floor defensively has been a huge help. And like he guards multiple guys for them because, you know, he was the, he, he's guarded, he's been the primary guy on Blake Hinson in the two Pittsburgh games. Um, they switch with him a lot. He's got a guard in the post. So he doesn't, he, he's pretty versatile on that side too, uh, at least for like a college guard, you know? Yeah, well, and the rim finishing too. I think the last time you came on, I mean, obviously we were talking as that small sample, but it was at like twenty six percent or something. Yeah. It was just something abysmal. And like now he's up to, um, I think he's at like fifty three or fifty five percent from two. Um, yeah, it was like sixty over sixty percent in conference play. I think, bro. Yeah, for a minute, Jeez. I think they had that like one decent like off game. Um, right. But yeah, so that that's been a huge thing too because now it's. Um, if you come out, it was early in the season where it's like, oh, okay, we don't really have to respect the drive. Like yeah. we don't really yeah, have to respect yeah. him putting it on the floor. And now you do. 
um because yep. he's yep. willing to go he's willing to mix it up it doesn't look like he's doing anything different i mean the way up package is still kind of like the it's like a a, a crib from steph curry except steph's just like <laughs> great at it but it's very yeah. under the rim right the release 100%. is very under the rim it's he's not got like a high like quick, yeah. quick flick like, shots yeah, trey young kind of likes to do that a lot too right the way like, yeah, he almost yeah, yeah. It's releasing it for you, jump. <laughs> yeah, these are like you know six foot two guards that play below the rim. It's like how do you like compensate for it? And like you got to have a bunch of different tricks. And yeah, but he's using angles better too, right? He's using the rim as like a helper mm. a little bit too. Um, and some of the stuff we're running is clearing things out a little for bit. Sure. So obviously that helps. Um, good, good change of speed as well. Yeah, that's yeah. what I like from him. And he cradles the ball through the the paint where yeah he, he has started yeah. doing that trevor kills yeah. kind of like yeah, yeah. running back style um yeah. he's got a nice that like girth, high man. arc and yeah he's got this trunk car <laughs> yeah he yeah he he really does have like a i mean yeah his low, he looks like a, a running back like yeah. in his lower body you know he really does um yeah. his his the, the big sell for him like beyond duke sort of like you know him as a, a pro you know when it, you know whenever he does decide to head to the pros will be like his combination, the combination he has of strength and shooting touch, because like to me, he's a prospect that's like, um, you know, these guys aren't like I'm not like comparing like them totally, but just like again, sort of like smaller guards that have like great touch, like Nick Smith Jr., um, Tyler Hero, but like sort of like move off ball movers that had great shooting touch. And that was sort of like their ticket into being like you know first round picks eventually. Um, and I think like McCain has some of some of that. Like before the season, you know, I I, I would like uh, there were like oh the Brogdon comp or the Jalen Brunson comp, and it's like at this point Brunson's like too good to like <laughs> to like get those kinds of comps. But like he, he, I see pieces of all of those guys in his game, and again, it's the it's the touch and the strength combination for McCain that like really unlocks um, his like interior finishing game, right. I see he's kind of short, uh, short Clay Thompson a little bit, and maybe yeah, it's just that wide shooting base that he has, yeah. but also kind of the way he comes off screens. They're, the, both guys are also so malleable too. Yep. It's like yep. the the strength of a guy like McCain and the strength of a guy like Clay Thompson is it's like if you've got a lot of other guys that need the ball, like it's cool. Like they don't like mm-hmm. you. You don't need. I mean, it's cool that they run pick and roll with McCain and he gets to isolate some and all that sort of stuff. Like, and you should do it. Uh, actually looked this up a second ago. Jared McCain in the pick and roll so far this season, uh, 1.18 points per possession. It's in the 97th percentile wow. nationally, mm-hmm. shooting 59% with effective shooting rate of 63.5% out of the pick and roll for McCain. But like you could also not run a single ball screen with him, and he would still geek out of a uh, geek out of defense, just like moving without the ball and being a big time shooter with range. And like yep. That's something that a guy like Clay has too, right? Where like he doesn't even need to dribble the ball. Really, like when Clay was in his prime, at least, you know, um, yeah. didn't even need to dribble the ball to be to score too. 30 points. Yeah, well, because exactly. he runs ready to catch, right? Like yeah. some guys will run off. If you watch Jared, like he's as he's running, his hands are kind of like miming with him, right? So as soon as the ball hits, he's ready to immediately make a quick decision. I mean, that corner three where Roach found him and he hits a, a huge shot in the first half there. Um, yeah, but it yeah. wasn't like it was wide yeah. open, right? It's just he was so quick. He's so ready to just get right into it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's pivot then. All right, we talked about the good. We talked about the positive. We got to talk about it a little bit, man. Um, 
lofty expectations for Tyrese Proctor coming back in as a sophomore. Now, again, he's supposed to be a freshman this year, so maybe yeah. we, we consider that a little bit. But I just think the way that he finished last year, especially during that 10-game winning streak, I mean, he was arguably our best player against Tennessee. don't know if you want to take too much in a game that we scored 50. Um, <laughs> but something has, has happened this year, and I, we can't really put our finger on it. Maybe some of it's health. Um, obviously going down in the Georgia Tech game, but it's not like it was super great prior to that either. He's had these stretches where he's, um, I think Raul had it, where he had like a four or five game stretch between GT and VT where he was good. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you have the numbers on that one? Yeah, it's it's like 16 points per game, like uh, 50% shooting, 48% from uh, three, and that's against good competition too. So you get your hopes up, right? And right. then the next four games have just been not good again Carolina and Wake are good but like Notre Dame's like clearly not um and Boston College is like they're not like four or five years ago like dreadful Boston College but they're still not it's not enough to where when you look at um Tyrese's stats against like elite or high major competition it's like oh there's a major discrepancy there I don't know, man. Like, are you seeing anything in particular? It seemed like the way that Wake was kind of blitzing those ball screens, like he was getting the ball out, but it wasn't like smoothly, right? Like he was having to throw way over the top. He really had to like lean and jump around contact. It, he settles a lot for threes. He's not really getting to the rim. Um, anything you're seeing of like how you unlock this? Like, is this a yeah. guy that you think had... Man, maybe maybe unpack the bag, consider coming back one more year to kind of like tighten some things up. Or I, I don't know, where do we go from here for Tyrese? I'm kind of yeah. doing glooming a little bit, but yeah, it's like it's important to remember. It's like this. I actually wrote something for uh, for the Devil's Den a few weeks ago, sort of like during that like really good stretch for that that maybe not really good that 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 strong stretch for Proctor. Yeah, um, where I was sort of like. Hey, he's actually playing pretty well this season because there was so there was a lot of um, it seemed like there was a few weeks of of, of sort of like uh, not negativity, but just like almost like people were trying to like will him back into like this version that they remember from a season ago, you know, right, and like right. after every game, there'd be some question, you know, would get asked to John. I'm sure Tyrese was asked him to answer these things, too. Just like, oh, was that did we see like freshman year Tyrus Proctor back and like. It was like, I mean, he's kind of been that this season. I just, I tend to think personally, he he played great to close the season last year. And he played very well in the ACC tournament. He played very well in the final game against UNC uh, to end the regular season. He played great in that Tennessee game, played well against Oral Roberts, if I'm remembering correctly too. Um, so some big time matchups. I think it's important to remember this was something that I wrote about in the off season when, when it was declared that Proctor would come back was like, he was still not really getting to the rim, right? Like that's always going to be a limitation of him. He's like, he's not, he's got good size. Um, he's got some wiggle, not like a ton, but like, a, you know, he's got some wiggle. Um, but late last season, it did sort of feel like his like strong surge down the stretch was two things. You know, he had, he had had some bad shooting luck early in the season. So it sort of felt like this, like, regression upwards to the mean, you know, mm -hmm. like where you would expect it to be. And even if you go back and watch the Tennessee game, he was incredible in it. And and I rewatched chunks of it this last summer. 
But it wasn't like, oh, Tyrese Proctor is just like, Tennessee doesn't know what to do with him. Like, it wasn't like, oh, he's just like getting to the rim at will. Like, that, like he was hitting like tough shots, you know? Like, yeah. fade, like you know, one-legged fadeaways from 18 feet. It's like, I mean, it's awesome. It look, it's it's cool that he can do that. It, it speaks to his skill and shooting touch, of which, you know, I think he, I think he has plenty of both. But again, he's not a guy that like bends the defense just nonstop. Um, I like his passing in a couple of different ways. And I think he's, I think he's a pretty good pick and roll passer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the chemistry with flip is okay. Um, They weren't like on the same page throughout the weight game. You can actually see those guys have like a little, there's one possession where on an empty side screen, where like flip screen for Proctor wake hedged and uh, flip like popped and Tyrese thought he was going to dive. They sort of like had to like huddle up after the play. Uh, to kind of get on the same page. Um, I think Tyrese can, like, be manipulative with the ball. Like, I think he can, like, move defender, like, help defenders with his eyes. Um, I haven't seen a ton of that this season. And that's sort of where I do think he, maybe more than almost anyone else, maybe you can make a case for a flip in this regard, too. But just, like, he misses lively. Misses lively, yeah. Just, yeah. like, on oh, both yeah. sides. On both sides. He misses, yeah. like... Because I think Proctor's defense has like slipped some this year too. Yeah, and like this sure. time a year ago, I was like very high on his defense, like yeah. very high. I was like, I was like, this guy doesn't get a lot of steals, but he's just like always in the right spot. He navigates screens, like all this stuff. As good as Flip has been defensively, we started you know the pod talking about that. Like he ain't Derek Lively, <laughs> like, no. and like right. that's I mean you know it's not even a knock. Like Lively is a totally like uncommon uncommonly good yeah. you, know, you just had to play space right center. if i just yeah. get my guy to drive over to this direction i don't have to worry about it anymore because you're yeah, gonna exactly, see lively yeah, exactly. and turn right back around so i just think <laughs> i think lively's ability to do everything in the pick and roll do you want me to switch i'll do that do you need me in the drop i'll do that am i up at the level and like l- late last season there was a lot of like Derek up at the level you know tyrese fighting and those guys just like pinching opposing ball handlers and like duke's defense was so good down the stretch, they were obviously huge too, you know, with yeah. Flip and, and Mitchell and Lively. It's just a math, it's an NBA sized, you know, front court. Um, and Tyrese has got, you know, good length, good size at the, the guard position. But just like, I think he misses Lively as a, as like a pick and roll operator, like that, that rim pressure, the guy who like really forces teams to like react when he dives all the way to the rim. And Proctor could, or pardon me, Lively could like catch the ball in space and, make passes he could like he can he does that now with with Luka Doncic mm-hmm. when, when Luka gets blitzed and trapped but um I was obviously Flip is like really good at that that's like one of the things he does best probably but that also means he's not like when when Flip sets the screen he's like he's popping or he's like you know short rolling into, into pockets of space it's not like oh he's dive bomb into the rim just like throw it to the rafters and let him go catch it um which is something that like you know Proctor and Lively got very good at doing that last year um, I still think Tyrese has been like a good decision maker in the pick and roll, still done good things. I think he's had some really nice playmaking flashes in that. But where I think Tyrese is like at his best as a passer, it's when he's, he's playing as a connector. And this is something that like John Shire all the time describes Mark Mitchell as a connector. But like Tyrese is too. Tyrese is like his best passes from like my point of view. They come on that when he is like hitting ahead in transition. He had actually had two really good hit ahead passes in the weight game. Um, or it's when like, you know, Jeremy Roach runs a pick and roll, right? And then 
Tyrese Proctor as as Jeremy's driving, you know, to the um as Jeremy's driving right to the middle of the court, Tyrese is spacing and fading left. Jeremy kicks it to him. Tyrese catches against a bent defense. So it's not he's not having to like, you know, beat a guy right in yeah. front of him or, you know, operating pick and roll. He just like catches on the move, plant go, get downhill, and then like hit a cutter or kick it out to Jared McCain, like build the advantage a little bit, not like create the advantage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's where like, I think he's pretty, like pretty awesome. And why like, I'm still like bullish on Tyrese Proctor as like an NBA player. It's just like, for me, we shouldn't be thinking, maybe I'm, maybe I'll be proven to be wrong about this. Um, it's hard to think of him as like a lead ball handler in the NBA um, or, or, you know, maybe even college, you know, Duke for that regard, unless he just had some like crazy, and like, this was the one thing I thought might happen this year. It has not come to fruition, but like, if he had some crazy, like uh, development as like a pull-up shooter, because then all of a sudden you can just like geek out defenses by hitting, you know, if you're hitting 37% of your like pull-up 25 foot threes, like all of a sudden right. teams have to react to that. You can turn the corner, you can do all this other stuff. Um, you can get downhill more and then your passing can like come online again and you can get to the line and get fouls. He's a great free throw shooter. Um, but like, I just think he got what is tough for me and why like this stuff is like, was like frustrating to almost see in real time was like, he played great down the stretch last season. Salute to him for that. It was awesome to watch. Like Jonathan Gavoni puts him, mocks him at like, you know, the seventh overall pick. <laughs> This summer, yeah. and it was like, what are we doing? Like, he's like, I've been, I've, I, this is me. Like, I, I've been, you know, I am a Proctor true believer. You know what I mean? And like <laughs> that, that stuff comes out. You know, I was like, oh man, I'll know about that one, you guys. Like, and it's like, if if I'm, if I feel like I have to take a step back to be like, oh, wait, I need to think about like Tyrese is a prop. Like, I thought I had this figured out. Am I missing something? You know? Um, and so I think he, I think through no fault of his own him like playing well on a big stage and then just like there being like a media hype train because you need to have stuff to get fed into the, the drafts, you know, the, the 365 day draft cycle in, in Tyrese play, you know, big name at a big program. It's like an easy guy to like, you know, use in the headline of an article and, in a train sure. and get sure. attention. And like, I just think that raised expectations to a level that like, it wasn't fair to type. Like, I don't know, man, like it wasn't super fair on him. Um, like this, as you said at the start, like this was supposed to be his freshman season, you yeah, know, right. and all of a sudden people are looking at him like he's a top 10 guy. It's like, Oh, like know, an all American, not like an yeah. ACC all American, like an all American type guy. Like I even kind of bought into it of like, could this guy be the, one of the best guards in the country? Same. And, Same. It's, and, it, and in the tough. exhibition game, he came out and made like four or he five threes, five threes in the first three minutes. Like, I was just like, right out the yeah. bat. Well, I was like, like Oh, okay. wow. I was like, okay. I was like, I see it, I guess, you know? And like he just hasn't had like a shooting barrage like that, you know, much many of those this season. Um, but like you look at him and it's like the numbers are they're very similar to last season. Very similar. Um like I mean the the one that does concern me a little bit more is like the free throw percentage is down a little bit. He was such a good free throw shooter last year. He is yeah. shooting better on twos, but it's not like he's getting to the rim more. And you do see him like when Tyrese gets to the rim. It's not every time he has to finish down there, but just keep an eye on this. Keep an eye on how many times he has to Pivot. finish. Oh, there's there's that, which he does have to do that. But even if he's like fluid enough to get to the rim, 
he has to use an inside yep. hand a lot. Yep. A yeah, lot. Yes, uh, yeah. And it's like, and it's like part of that is like shielding shot blockers. The other part of that is like there's maybe not enough confidence in his left hand to, because it's because it's usually like right inside hand. Sometimes it's like left yeah. inside hand yep. on the right side, but often it's right on the left side. Yeah. And it's just like it just again, it's just not what he does super duper well. He's an awesome player. Um he hasn't really got to that mid range he did a lot last year. Like yeah, that, that was really a, where he got on his in and out dribble season. and like a yeah. fifteen foot pull up snaking. I mean the the UNC yeah. game it was the one in Chapel Hill. Like I think of him, you know, snaking ball screens in that game and you know settling. You know, UNC's in the drop and Tyrese is able to sort of like get to his spots in the mid range and hit some hit some tough jumpers in that in in that contest. It's just like tough when like if if that's like your like best way of scoring with a live dribble and it's still not like your it's still not like a at like a like an elite level then you have to think of like other ways to sort of like figure out how to like play make and like he can do that it's just like the expectations were like oh is he the best guard in the ACC you know and and, and then for whatever it's worth too like i do think like Duke has this collection of guards. And I think for the most part, they found like a pretty good, like I think Duke, the guards, like the, I think, I think they've done an okay job sort of like finding the blend and obviously flip and Mark are going to play make two. And I just, it's not that they haven't like found the hierarchy. Like I think like Tyrese has gotten plenty of opportunities and touches and, and stuff like that. But like, Last year, it was just such like a ready-made, like turnkey, like you know, he and Roach were handling the ball. Period. Yeah, like that, right. was, just, that was it. Just how it was. Like even, yeah. even, even Flip and Mark, like they got opportunities, but they weren't like initiating from the front court at the same rate, you know, last season like they are now. Which they they did they did it like Flip did it enough last year too, but like not not like this. I mean, they they run so much five out with him, right, or stuff with him at the elbow. It's like a different thing. Um. And then last two other factors, it just can't be up like stated enough. Like the injuries had to do something. Like he messed up his ankle. Like it was a bad sprain against Short Attack. He missed a bunch of time. It took him some time to get his conditioning back, get his feet underneath him. And then like he got hurt against Wake too. Like he got, you know, yeah, knocked in the head. Or, yeah. And then like at one point it seemed like he was like clutching his shoulder a little bit, like late in the like second half after he missed a couple of shots. I think John um, mentioned in the presser he was that that he's banged up. Yeah, yeah, he, and I mean, I think all I think at this point in the season, like all everybody, guys, everyone like, is, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it does, it does feel like he's. I mean, the ankle injury attack, mm, like that yeah. sucked. And I do think, um, I feel like we've talked about this some when I've come on with y'all, or when I've, you know, when we've talked, you know, online or whatever. But like Duke's identity coming into this season was supposed to be this like five out space yep. machine on offense, flip yep. in the middle of the court, dribble handoffs. Uh, pick Top and three roll. offense, like that's right. what yeah, we like that, yeah. like it, it, that was what it was going to be, and I think at times it's worked very well. At other times, hadn't been so great. Um, I think like Jared's like movement and shooting has like really let some of that stuff go. But like, and it does seem like Mark has like turned a corner to an extent, and is, he's just played so well recently. It's been very, I'm like very happy for him because I could not have been the first six, eight weeks of the season must have sucked. You know, it, it couldn't have been very fun. That That's basketball like, hell, right? Yeah, when you're just, on an island out there and like, and it's so, oh. and you're, just, you're, in, you're in a, you know, uh, a fish tank at Duke too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like uh, on display for the world to see. Um, but part of playing five out, it's not just about like, it. 
it's not just like spacing the floor to like chuck threes. Like you play five out because the point is to like take advantage of that space to like drive and mm-hmm. slash. And I think just with the way teams were have like were like using junk defenses to guard Mitchell or Young or Stewart throughout the season. Um I think that messed with some of the guards too. Like not Roach, because like Roach is just steady Eddie, gets to his spots and yeah. makes great sh- makes tough shots. And like not McCain because he's just this like nail shooter as soon as he crosses half court. But for a guy like Tyrese, like he could have used a little extra space here and there to, you know, to maybe get downhill a little bit more. Um, and I just think that things were like clogged more than I think everyone was expecting to heading into the season. Um, maybe that made things a little bit tougher too. Overall, I think he's had a good season. There's still like a lot of basketball to be played. Yeah. And I just think if like, if there wasn't this like hype heading into the season that like, no, not only is Tyrese Proctor a lottery pick, he's a top 10 pick. Like everyone would look at this and be like, yeah, he's played pretty well. Like this has been pretty, this has been a pretty good season for an age 19 guard in the ACC, right? right, right. right? Like there. 36% on threes, 76% from the line, 54% on twos. Uh, you know, he still doesn't really get steals, but you know, turnover rates down, assist rates still high. Like he's shooting a, a more efficient ball this year overall. In like in terms of like effective shooting, true shooting, it's just that like there was a lot of he played so well down the stretch. I just think it was with a, a shot diet that was like not totally sustainable, and then the hype machine sort of like carried right. him into the season. And like that, you know, that's no one's fault other than like the people that are like writing the columns and stuff like that. that. Also so. affects the team, right? Like we probably aren't projected top three for sure. Preseason, sure. if you know people don't have that right for sure, but but then there also are moments too where like especially during that stretch where he was playing pretty well the last few weeks where like you know he and Flip get into the two man game and like you know they're like reading and reacting off one another and you know Flip screens and then Tyrese dribbles right and then they Flip comes back up so it's another screen so Tyrese can go left and then it's Tyrese drives to the nail and Flip pops and like it's a pick and pop and just like. Sometimes you see the vision and you're like, these guys are so good. Like, mm-hmm. they, like this is this the, the this was also part of the vision was these two guys just being like a, a class above everyone, and like, I don't know, I just don't think it's like it's a uh, it's worked quite as well. But just I think there's a lot of like different. It's not one thing with Proctor. I think some of it is perception based. I think some of it is like not having lively uh, in the rim pressure uh, as like a, a vertical lob threat. Uh, out of the pick and roll game. I think some of it has been injury based. Some of it has just been sort of like figuring out the playmaking apparatus with the team. I think some of it has been like the junk defenses that teams have thrown at them. So it's been a lot of things overall, though. I still think he's having like a pretty good season. And yeah, he's just a guy that's never been like a downhill menace. I think we were just sort of like expecting like growth as like a pull up shooter and like a manipulator with like, you know, like really breaking guys down, changing directions and speeds. And like, we, we've seen like maybe a little bit less of that than we expected. I perhaps, yeah. but like yeah. everything else I think is sort of like charted in, in ways that you probably could have been predicted before the season. So yeah. That, that's fair. That's, that's yeah. a lot on Proctor, but just one last thing there. Uh, what do you kind of see as his best role going forward for the rest of the year? Cause I think he's kind of caught in no man's land a little bit yeah. right now where He's not the primary ball handler anymore. If you look at the ACC stats, um, like just for the conference, 
we have a bunch of guys with like two, two and a half assists, like Flip, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you know, even Foster, uh, I think is leading him in assists or just edging him just a little bit in conference. Um, so he's not the primary ball handler, but he's also not the off-ball movement shooter that McCain is. So I think that's mm -hmm. kind of making it tough for him a little bit too, just kind of finding his place in the offense. Yeah, and we're I not doing those give and goes anymore either, right? Like him and Young had like a chemistry yeah. there for mm -hmm. a while last year and even this year where it was like you give to Young as like a fake hub, right? And Proctor would immediately cut, who he'd pass mm -hmm. right back, who then he's finding Mitchell in the dunkers or then he's kicking it up and that's yeah. not there either. So, like, but like that's what like that, that to me is like when he's at his best, you know, it's sort of like that kind of like you get him going into his playmaking opportunities more as opposed to just it being like flat pick and roll. So yeah. more like FIBA style that he grew up playing, yeah. right? Like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, I mean, I think they've tried, it's not like they haven't tried some of this stuff, but if I really wanted to get him going, um, you know, they do some of these like five out zoom actions, right? And they do it with all, all the guards get opportunities to do these things where they throw it the flip in the middle. Um, he picks a side, you know, one of the guards is in the left or the right corner. Um, you know, Mitchell sets a pin down for them. They come off the pin down screen into the dribble handoff with Filipowski. And then you can try to use the momentum to turn and coming off two screens, essentially to like turn the corner. So maybe you can spam some more of that, get that in there. I kind of thought before the season, one of the things I thought they'd get into more was sort of like guard to guard screening actions. And they've, mm. they've like dabbled with some of that, but I don't think they've really like eaten off of it this year. Like maybe, maybe there's some way they can get into that a little bit more, but like you, you bring up a good point when you say that, like, he does a lot of things well. So it's like, what's the, what's like, if he's a jack of all trades, then like, what's the thing he does best? Right. Like, I, I don't actually know. Yeah. Um, I think, again, I think it's sort of like the connective passing. Um, so you know, if he, if he could like buy into that role, you know I mean? You know, Foster has sort of been like the bring the ball up the court guy. They finish a lot of possessions with Roach and with uh, with McCain, obviously Flip and Mitchell too. So I, I think there's a I think there's a role there. There's opportunity for him there. Um, it's just sort of like can he can he be patient and like buy into a role that might not be like you know the the lead ball handler show. And um, I think that's possible. I, I think he can get there. And then if you can really get that guy going as a secondary playmaker, then it actually like really raises the ceiling of the offense because I think that stuff that to me is like what he does best is him not creating the initial advantage, but building it. Um, yeah. And I thought last season he was so good at like running this pick and roll to start the possession, getting off the ball, sprinting around, relocating, catching the ball five seconds later on the wing, then driving. Um, so maybe you can get to some more of that kind of stuff, like getting him like, you know, starting the possession and then getting him off ball and then, you know, Pin Roach runs a pick and roll, then he kicks uh, to, to Proctor just to get him some more like closeouts to drive against or or more of the sort of like uh, sprint into elbow two-man action with flip. Like there's stuff they can try for sure. Um, and obviously like if you can get like the best version of him down the stretch, then it would be, you know, it would be, it would be huge for Duke, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And even if we just get that defensive like stalwart mm -hmm. version and maybe you can't with with not having lively um but i mean i thought he was great again in the virginia tech game playing defense on couture yeah. and those guys i mean he yep. really um he might have 
played the best defense on RJ Davis this year that we've seen at times and just enabled to do that. But but it comes um, and goes, right? Like it comes and goes, and there's the not that game, consistency. I didn't think he was great. No, nah, Salas was, I mean, he had the size too, and Salas was able to yeah. kind of get into some yeah. stuff with him yeah. there. Um, Salas kind of ate him up on both too. ends a little bit, really. Yeah. But he does that to most everybody he plays, right? Like, he's really good. He's a pro. Like, he might be, he's not really being talked about, but he might sneak into, like, ACC Player of the Year. Like, at least get yeah. votes, I would think. Yeah, yeah um, it, it feels like RJ's got it sewn up, but, like, there's, like, Oh, there are other reasons for that outside of just like player performance, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, like Salas should be, you know, first team all conference. Um, he's great. And yeah, like Tyrese did an awesome job on Couture last season too as a freshman. Like he's what it what one of the reasons why I was so such a fan of his defense last season was that like his screen navigation and was so good um either guarding pick and roll or like chasing guys off of flares and pin downs off the ball. Like he was defending Caleb Love in that way. He was defending Hunter Couture in that capacity. And then he could get on the ball and, you know, lock up someone else too. So he is versatile. Like, I, I like his defense, um, even though he's a guy that, like, really doesn't create a lot of, like, events in terms of, like, blocks and steals. I just think, like, he can be solid. Um, and who knows? Like, like you said, he might be a little banged up too. So maybe that's also sort of, like, you know, knocked his defense some this season. Yeah. Um, well, I know we, we were kind of running along a little bit here. I want to ask you one kind of specific question before we get out of here. Um, I think you were in John and uh, Steve Ford's press conference, and you were asking a little bit just about the ball screen stuff, the defensive side, and uh, the way we were doing it. Uh, first part here, Ford refers to it as naked pick and roll. We often <laughs> to refer to it as empty pick and roll. Is that the same yeah. thing? Is that yeah, just how thing. he's classed? Yeah, same thing. Same thing. Okay. As soon as he said it, I was like, I don't know if I've heard it said like that before, but like, you know what he's talking about. Yeah. You know what Makes I mean? Sense. Like, yeah, naked pick and roll. Uh, yeah. yeah. Empty, you know, corner, like empty side, empty corner, naked pick and roll. Just a ball screen without, you know, another off ball guy, you know, in the corner, basically. But he was talking about it, I think, in your question, too, was the idea of like using that emptiness, but then having Mark high and yeah. able to like let Mark not even if he's not really involved in the action, he's catching it. And he was super quick in terms mm -hmm. of his movements and cutting and slashing. Um, what does that unlock? Because basically, like maybe we will, but I don't see a team like Arizona or Arkansas. Like, I don't see us facing that type of defense again. Like, can you defend Mark that way now? It. I don't know if you if you want to do that. We haven't seen a team really try to just yeah. like ignore him in that way. Um, what does that kind of unlock for us going forward? Yeah, especially if he's gonna like hit some threes too, you know? Like he's like 43 in conference, 43 yeah, I mean, 12 like shots of, or whatever. All, all of a sudden, I mean it and it just looks kind of like last season a little bit. And yeah, it might be a while before Duke sees a team that has like, you know, Trevin Brazil. Um like Johnson or Ballo from Arizona, like like super athletic, you know, physical or or like long help defenders that you can like really like lean into those types of strategies so those guys can like be really forceful, you know, off the you know helping in the paint or whatever. Um, but yeah, that was a huge part of that game. I actually tweeted something out during during parts of the game because like I watched I watched basically every weight game, watch and chart every weight game like I do Duke. And Wake's base defense for two seasons now, basically, um, and really, really three seasons, but especially the last two seasons, has been like drop coverage in deep drop coverage, like where you'll see 
uh, either Efton Reed or Matthew Marsh or Zach Keller, their third string center. Sometimes Andrew Carr when he's playing small ball five. They're 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 like ten fifteen feet below the level of the screen, right? And when like when they're if, if Filipowski or Ryan Young or you know an opposing center is setting the screen, they're basically in the paint as guys are coming off the screen above the three point line. Um, and then there was I think it was the North Carolina game for Wake, um, or maybe it was the Pittsburgh game, but they lost those two games back to back, and. In the North Carolina game, like they were in the drop, RJ Davis just coming off those screens and hitting little mid range, you know, right. fingers and pull up shots. And like it took one more game, it was the pit game. I think it was Jalen Lowe, Bub Carrington. Those guys are going to work against the drop. And then when they played Syracuse in Winston, Wake said, F it, we're not doing that anymore. And since then, their primary coverage has been hedging hard and blitzing ball screens, especially when they're on the sides. Pretty much everywhere. So all of a sudden, they went from being in the drop 90% of the time to hedging screens over the last four or five games, probably that same percentage. Like it flipped like it flipped like that, that intensely. And like again, I watched every weight game, I chart all of this stuff. Um, and so all of a sudden, Efton Reed, he's not in the paint 15 feet below the screen, he's literally above it, trying, trying mm-hmm. to funnel the ball handler, you know, towards half court. And like he's got the the mobility to do that. Matthew Marsh, maybe not quite as much, but like Reed can really like can really like slide his feet when he gets in a stance. Um, and he's so big and strong. Um and so when when Duke runs those empty side screens or those naked ball screens, like this is something I pointed out. They were go they were using their continuity ball screen offense, but all they were really trying to do was hit that first empty side screen on the right side of the court, right? So they'd have either McCain or Roach. Maybe they used Proctor on one of these plays too, but it was mostly, I think it was mostly McCain and Roach. They would have those guys sitting an empty side screen on the right side of the court. And it was either Efton Reed or he got in foul trouble and came off the court, Matthew Marsh. Um, those guys are hedging those screens. So all of a sudden you've got two guys on the ball. You've got Kyle Filipowski short rolling towards like the right corner. But because you've got two guys on the ball and you've got Flip rolling to the rim then the person who's guarding uh, Mark Mitchell, either Andrew Carr or Damari Monsanto, they have to slide over. to like The first passing read is going to be flipped. So you've got to take him out on the roll. So you've got to rotate over. But if that's the case, then the two weak side guards on the left side of the court, those guys have to either be able to like rotate over and switch to Mitchell, or they've got to stunt. And they've got to like, you know, run at him in a couple of steps and then, you know, get back to, to McCain or to Proctor. You got good shooters out there. It's tough. Like Duke makes it tough with their spacing sometimes. But so that wasn't happening. Like these were, these were kind of defensive breakdowns on Wake's part. And so when Duke would throw the ball to Mitchell in the middle of the court, he was usually like in kind of like the left slot. So like in the middle, sort of like just to the left side of the floor above the, above the three point arc, he was catching the ball with the middle of the lane wide open because you've got what you've got two guys on the ball guarding the ball handler. You've got one help defender guarding, you know, rotating over to flip. And then no one from the weak side is coming over to stunt or to switch out or to close out onto him. And so what happened there, I think it was like four possessions within the span of like two or three minutes. It was Mark Mitchell catch and go layup. It was Mark Mitchell catch and shoot three wide open in the slot. Then on the next play, 
they the guard hits flip on the short roll. Mitchell cuts from this exact same spot. Uh, Filipowski hits him on the cut. Andrew Carr yeah. fouls Mark Mitchell at the rim. And then a possession later, they flip it. And it's Mark Mitchell setting the empty side screen. And it's flipping the slot. And it's the same thing where, same exact thing, where they didn't throw it. Uh, the defense responds in the same exact way. The guard throws it to flip. He, he catches and goes and drives in. Uh, and gets a layup. So those four possessions, they got two layups, a foul, and a three. Like it's it's yep. exactly what you want out of an offense, you know? <laughs> yeah. And all good looks, like just you know, wide open threes or layups or free throws, like just boom, perfect. Um, and as soon as as soon as after the the flip layup happens, there's a timeout. Wakes in foul trouble. I actually wrote down in my notebook during the game, like I the wrote like what is Wake gonna do? Like they, I was like, because they had to change. It was just obvious, like they've got to change coverages. Like Duke's figured this out; they're burning them. And I was like, well, they're either going to go back to the drop, like maybe they would try zone. Probably not going to try zone. And they were basically in the drop for like most of the game after that. Right. Um, and even then, Duke still found some stuff on those empty side looks. You, you know, McCain got roll. You know, McCain Roach got rolling as a pull up guy. He had a couple monster pull up shots. Um, and just Roach, when they went one four low late the game, he hit the one pull up three after John, you know, threw, threw the ball. Yeah, back I to was going to ask you. Yeah, which was nuts. Yeah, that was <laughs> awesome. It was awesome, dude. Like you just, uh, you know, sometimes you just you see what's so great about going to ACC games like this is just like you see different stuff, you know. And uh, and the crowd and, the, and like the refs were just like, I mean, they were just they're bad all game, and so like it was just like fun gamesmanship. And like I think Forbes and Shire like each other. There's clearly like a lot of respect. But even yeah. Forbes had sort of like a what's he doing? Like look on his like look on his face, you know? Like he didn't do that kind of. Um, <laughs> and then for them, what was great was like it was such a seamless transition from Shire throwing the ball back to pumping up the crowd. To then one of the refs came over and tried to be like, hey, you know, chill out. And he, but he just kept walking like, back. Yeah. He's like, whatever, man. And then he, but he went right from hyping the crowd up to just going, you could see him go one four and then one five. Like he wanted one four low, then a one five screen with, uh, with, with, uh, Filipowski screening for, um, for, uh, for Roach. For Roach. Or, and he knew he was shooting it too. Like oh, as yeah, soon like, as he well, got but, it, like you but, knew. <laughs> but that was the thing is that Salas did not know because like yeah. I, again, I, I watched that playback earlier today. Salas is the one at the point of attack. And again, look where Efton, like pull up that play because Wake was back at the drop, deep drop. Efton Reed is like below the free throw line. Yep. So like when that happens, like it means Wake gets to stay home. Like all three help defenders get to stay home on shooters. Um, but now all of a sudden, like, the point of attack defender has to be able to navigate the screen and get over and stay attached to the ball handler. And like, Roach is tough, man, because like he's slippery. He'll push you in jail. He'll get you on his hip. And like, he can shoot a pull up three, but like he came off that three. He, like you said, he knew he was shooting. Yeah. I mean, I think half the camera knew he was shooting. Yeah. Yeah. I stood up way before he got that ball. (laughs) But like, I I rewatched it earlier. Salas, when he comes over uh, flip screen, his first step wasn't t- towards Roach. It was almost like Salas was like his first step was to be like where he thought Roach would be like one dribble from then. Like he was like he like he kind of was like heading towards like the paint almost. Yeah. And and like so the contest was I mean like he put an arm up but it was like no it was not that Roach's elbow which is like that's I mean yeah. like he's not got ten seconds of rim time by that right yeah he's it's, just staring it's, at it's the a, rim it's just not a good enough contest basically yeah like that that would any any coaching staff or scout would scout that as a, you know, 
poor to bad contest. Like it, just, it's not good enough. Um, and Salas has been like pretty good at the point of attack this season. He's got length, size, he's physical, whatever. But like, I think Roach sort of stunned. I just don't think he thought the, the pull up three was coming. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a, mo- it was a monster play, but like they had gone to that one, four flat ball screen with flip and, and Roach earlier, like probably a few minutes before that. And that was gorgeous. Like, Roach came off the screen. He didn't shoot the pull-up three. He sort of like got Salas pinned on his hip. Oh, yeah. I love he sort that of like one. walked him the into the post. Yeah. And then he waited. I think it was it was either Reed or I think actually I actually think Marsh was playing center at the time. And like, you know, he's in the drop, but Roach is sort of just like inching closer to him. And eventually at some point, like the center has to be like, okay, I have to come up. Like I have to like, he's gonna shoot a runner or a pull-up. I've got to be able to contest that. And as soon as Marsh took one, st- like a half step forward, Rhodes just like, like just pass, like yeah. room service yeah. to flip for a layup. It was, I mean, Jeremy Rhodes is awesome, dude. <laughs> like he's yeah. super, he's super good. Um, he's had an awesome career. Like uh, we don't need to go into like the the, the Jeremy Roach, you know, uh, monologue at this point of the pod. But like he's he's just having such a great season. He's had a great career. Um, in, in the like when I close my eyes and think of his career, like the the two man pick and roll with Roach and Filipowski, like it, it's just been it's been textbook the last two seasons between those two guys. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, we can maybe even make an argument that his usage should probably go way up, but again, that's uh at this point in the pod, maybe not. Roll, you want to get one more thing in before we transition out? I uh, I, I uh, texted a friend when that play happened, uh, Roach has mastered basketball. Because what it reminded me of was Chris Paul, honestly. You know how Paul yeah. gets in the lane? Uh, yeah. Vintage Paul, of course. And pins yeah. somebody on his hip and just kind yep. of surveys and takes a yep. step forward and then hits the big. Yeah. yeah. No, he. it was – and he's – and, like, Roach is so good in the mid-range, too. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not asked him this, but, like, I'm certain he's watched some Chris Paul film. Like, it, you know, like – and if you're a – if you're a, a smaller six guard, two, who's not, guard, like, you know yeah. – isn't going to be a guy that like just you know ter- terrorizes people at the rim like you need the mid-range game and like that's probably where he's most comfortable then like yeah paul is like absolutely the first guard you should pull up like yeah. how does he how does he keep defenders on his hip how, how does he manipulate the, the, the defender in the drop because like teams also want to play drop against chris paul because that way if they're in the drop then there's no playmaking reads right there's no they're not having to rotate they're keeping everything in front they're staying home on shooters and the way you get teams out of that is you just hit mid-range shots. Um, so I think it was it was pretty cool that like Duke got Wake to like mid-stream, like change its defenses. It speaks to you know John making a good adjustment. Again, I tweeted about it after the game, and then Steve Forbes literally opened his post-game press conference talking about that the you know them having to change coverages up in the middle of the second half. Um, and then the last thing I would just say about Roach too, because this sort this thought dawned on me when I was thinking about you know, recording the pod with you guys. One of the things this, this speaks to, to your point about like him sort of like mastering, you know, parts of, you know, pick and roll basketball, he can beat any coverage you throw at him because if you're in the drop, he can get to the mid range, right. Or he can shoot a pull up three. Like he's anybody will love, he'll love to just, he'd be thrilled to go and shoot a 15 footer. You know what I mean? Yeah. He like loves to do that. Get to the nail, get to the elbow, if you want to switch against him, then he can like dance with the ball against the seven footer, right? He can, he can isolate, go to work, get to his, you know, step back, his fadeaway. Um, or he can try to like, you know, sort of like, you know, Euro sidestep and, you know, get around them and, you know, get to the rim or draw a foul. Um, and if you, pl- if you're more aggressive, if you're hedging screens, 
if you're up at the level it, or if you're icing screens and you're trying to like force him on one side, he's so good at rejecting screens and just like knowing where the screen defender is going to set up. And like, I, again, the other sort of like archetypal road shot for me will be like a pick and roll on the left side of the court where he's pushed to go left. Like, you know, and like he, so he jabs right, he rejects the screen left and then he gets, he settles into that, you know, on the left side of the floor that like pull up to 16 footer, 15 footer, 12 footer. He's got such good touch. And yeah, like that when, when Duke is like desperate and like, you know, like when things are like going sideways, that, that is their break last in case. It's just their bread and butter play. Like Mm -hmm. Duke, with with Roach, Filipowski, empty side ball screen, and then just let Roach read the coverage and, and, and make a play with with a really good, you know, mismatch piece and and flip to operate with too. But he's just he he'll just ding any coverage you throw at him. Like he's got the ability to to see what you're see how you're guarding him. And then because he's just so good and patient in the mid-range, like he can kind of punish a bunch of different looks. Yeah, experience matters, folks. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. I mean, his growth chart is like really, just yeah. really strong for yeah. us. Yeah. Um, yeah. As as we get ready to get out of here, I don't want to do too much of a deep dive here, folks. Um, obviously, we got we got another tough one coming up. Um, we hit probably our most brutal segment of the schedule here with three games on the road at Florida State, at Miami, and then back to Winston there um, to round that series out. We haven't played Florida State, so I think it's at least worth kind of like hitting on a little bit. Um, a bit, di- if you're not super familiar with this Florida State team, they might kind of like surprise you a bit in terms of how fast they want to play, um, mm-hmm. how they want to get up and down. And then they combine that with length and the ability to block a lot of shots. And Duke has the propensity to get their shot blocked kind of frequently. Um, that could be a bit of a of a concern if you're wanting to kind of like hammer on like okay what's the line what what are we looking for here um i would be paying attention to transition defense on duke and then the ability to get to the rim and to draw fouls because that's going to be tough against this florida state team brian i won't ask you to make any kind of prediction stuff here just because of how your role and all of this stuff but what do you see from Florida State that's really going to cause or could potentially cause Duke some problems? And on the other side, quickly, how might Duke exploit that? Yeah, I mean, you got to remember with FSU, it's not just the length and athleticism. And, and they're a little different this year. They're still the tallest team in the country, uh, according to Ken Palm. But they don't have they don't play like a seven-footer. But it's just like everyone that's in the rotation is like 6'5", 6'11", um, or 6'10". Um, they've got serious talent on the roster like baba miller jameer watkins these are guys that have like nba aspirations taylor bulbo and he's more to the fringes but just like super live wire athlete with great length um fsu is just like they dial every part of like every like aggressive defensive concept you can imagine they just dial it up times a thousand and it's not quite as effective as when you don't when you don't have like Devin Vassell and Patrick Williams, Trent sure. Forrest. It's just like monster athletes who you know start for NBA teams now. Um, but they they pick up full court, they pick up full court, they switch basically everything on and off the ball, and they aggressively deny passing lanes. And when they switch, and if you got a they've got a guard or a wing on your center in the block, they're going to front the post. Um, and then they're going to try to like, like 
race in backside help if you try to like lob it over the top. They don't, they're not going to like let you just like lob it into the post high low style. Um, they're going to aggressively fight to take that away from you. So they're tough, basically. Like there's something to prepare for because they're unique, they're different. Um, but you also kind of know what's coming. And so that's the thing to sure. remember, you know? And so against the switch, like what works? Well, you're probably not going to get to like the pick and pops like with Filipowski because if they're switching, you're not, they're not going to be in rotations as much. So can you slip screens? Can you on and off the ball? That That's something that I would be thinking about a lot. Like when Virginia beat them in Tallahassee uh, last weekend, the game that I watched the other, I watched the film of the other day, Virginia was just like slip. I mean, it was like Virginia was just in this like amoeba offense. They didn't do block or mover. UVA was just like slipping screens nonstop the entire game. I'm done. Duke's not going to do that. But I would take some of that and I would be mm. trying to slip screens a lot. Um, and it's also important to remember because they deny so much in the passing lanes, you can get behind them. And when you get behind them, you should be thinking kick out for threes. And so, like, I would be, I will be monitoring when I'm watching this game. I'll be monitoring like where um, Jared McCain is because like he's the guy to like really float around and like punish that. And it does, you know, FSU is one of those teams. It seems like it should be impossible to get like any airspace around them because they're so long. They switch everything, but you can get behind them and kick out. Um, and so that's something that I, I would be looking for. Like it's an opportunity for like all of Duke's guards to like have a big game in terms of like slash and kick. Um and then they just, they need, like, you get, Flip's just got to be able to play, like, a ton of minutes in this game. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and stay in the right head space like he has been <laughs> the last couple of games. And because, like, they're going to they're gonna throw a lot of size and athleticism at him. And, like, even when you get switched onto a guard, like, sometimes that guard is Jameer Watkins or Jalen Warley, who are built, like, you know, they look like outside linebackers. They just happen to play point guards. Six, like, seven guards, right? Yeah, like yeah they're just, I mean. <laughs> and, they're, and they're they're tanks, too. And, and Watkins is, like, pretty, like, he's pretty special. He's one of the best wing defenders in the conference, like, by, by like, he's definitely in that conversation. Um, so there are, there are a lot to deal with, but you just got to know that, like, they're not going to put up a, a ton, a ton of points unless you keep, unless they can, unless they're able to get into transition. So, like, just, you got to be, like, patient, run your stuff. And, and again, like, McCain's the guy that feels like he could just like shake everything loose with his uh with his strength, with his shooting touch and with his movement. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we, we say all that and they've lost four out of five, right? Now they haven't really gotten blown out really mm-hmm. in any of those. Um one of those is a yeah. loss to Louisville. The the one win is a one point win over Boston College. I like the Virginia comp because I think that was the game where like Beatman and McNeely were just able to just do yeah. whatever they want and yeah. like find threes yeah. and just find those pockets and those seams. Um, and McNeely is like one of the closest like facsimiles to McCain in the league, right? Right. Like off ball, you know, snipers basically. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully this would be a game where I would be completely fine with McCain getting 10 threes up or something, mm-hmm. right? Right. If yeah. there's space yeah. for that yeah. to be able yeah. to get in there. You mentioned flip. That obviously is absolutely paramount of like we can't have the two quick fouls early from flip he's got to play i mean he played 38 minutes with two fouls against wake um maybe he doesn't have to get to 38 but i'd like him to be sitting 33 35 yeah, probably yeah. pretty comfortably in there yeah, yeah. um probably not too much of a ryan young game stewart um 
you know, maybe if we're going to use him as a lob threat to get some rim pressure going or something, sure. But the, the, the back one home thing in Florida, could, he might be hyped for it. It's yeah. true. Athletically, he like he fits into this game. The one thing I think you could say for Young would be because FSU is switching so much. Like they're a good defensive team, but they're not great on the defensive glass. They never have been, right? Since the, even oh, though yeah. they're huge, right? Because they yeah. switch so much, so often their tallest guys are twenty five feet from the hoop. So like Young could, I think like I mean I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not betting on this, but like it could be like sneaky like be a Young game because like what he does best is like you know offensive rebound and um, FSU also can't shoot, so yeah. in theory he wouldn't have to come out too high. I don't know. In my thought too would be if uh, if if Ryan Young's offensive rebounding, make sure that those are kicked back out. Like maybe yeah. maybe yeah. don't try to go yeah. right yeah. back yeah. up and, yeah. Yeah. and finish amongst the the wingspans of of that roster. But I just I think he could have an opportunity. There's a, there's the possibility that he exists to like create extra possessions, you know, for them. And again, he he will have some opportunities against the you know some smaller guys potentially to to get in there and create some uh, you know put back opportunities. Yeah, and I think it's always worth mentioning too a little bit with like Leonard Hamilton teams, especially as a as a Duke fan, because it's almost like the inverse of we play about five and a half to six and a half guys typically year <laughs> to year, right? We're pretty short staff, and sometimes I think it it can be a strength. Um, a lot of Duke fans always clamor for depth. I've thought that at times one thing, if I'm going to pick on Hamilton a little bit, is sometimes he can go into the bench to the detriment a little bit in terms of just like playing 10, 11, 12 guys and getting out of continuity, right? And <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. fresh defensively, but you're not getting a whole lot of like guys that are just hitting a rhythm and oh, like they're yeah. going to play 38 minutes and like they're just going to torture you. Um, so may- maybe you can use that to your advantage a little bit. It's going to be tough. They're going to be fired up. It's probably going to be one of the r- most raucous crowds they've had down there this year. That just goes without mm-hmm. saying. Um, they're desperate. Like they, they need this yeah. so badly. They do. And, yeah. And yeah, you meant like, it's always important with FSU to point out just like, yeah, like 40% of their, like 35% of their minutes are going to be like made up by bench guys. Like they, yeah. they, that's they, what they do always. It yeah. doesn't matter personnel, just all, that's just yeah. a philosophical thing. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's fine if you don't have really good starters. If yeah, there's no separation, separation yeah. but it's like maybe you want to play Devin Vassell and Patrick Williams just a it, bit more. Well, it was funny. Like he did have those two back-to-back seasons where he brought Patrick Williams and Scotty Barnes off the bench. We both went on to be top five picks in the draft. And like, yeah. I mean, it, like both guys, both guys seem to be cool with it. Like the culture there is like obviously like it's a big time like culture program. And like yeah. like like Leonard has like he's a lot of like gravitas, but like it is kind of funny that like he like. It worked, but like he did that, and like it is funny when you see like like the Hornets broadcast team always talks about this when they're playing like Pat Williams or the Scotty Barnes, the Raptors, and they'll be like, "Can you believe this guy came off the bench in college?" Like, and it's like, eh, yeah. I mean, it it worked, I guess. Um, they closed a lot of games, but yeah, those guys, you know, six man types uh, down in Tallahassee. Yeah, so that that's something to kind of just plug away at. Both teams are coming off pretty good rest here. They played Tuesday um, at Virginia Tech. Obviously, Duke played like Monday. Um, so lots of time schematically for both coaches to kind of fill that out. So I think we should be well-rested. Hopefully, we can get a little healthier. Um, they are old. That's another kind of FSU staple, right? Like yeah. they play a lot of guys that are juniors, sophomores, um, seen a lot of juniors really on that roster. A few seniors there, Primo Spears, Darren Green um should be a battle should be a battle i don't 
I don't know if there's anything else we want to say about that shoe role. Y'all want to do any kind of prediction related stuff on that? I'm not going to ask Brian just because of his role in media, but y'all want to give any the spread 78 72 uh, in favor of Duke in terms of Ken Palm. Any, any naysayers going mm-hmm. against the spread? The athleticism does worry me. I would like to see Duke. This may not be a game for switching, actually, just simply because of how poorly FSU shoots. I wonder if we could pack it in a little bit more. But yeah, I don't have a specific prediction. I I do think this is going to be a tough game. And it would not surprise me after this like tough stretch that we've had if we have a little bit of a letdown here. But um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Shu, you got any? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm just trying to. I'm hoping we go two or three at least in this yeah. three game stretch. Um, That's my goal to yeah. just. Uh, I think that's what this, makes this one so much more so much yeah. bigger, right? If you lose this first one on a three game road strip going to Miami, who has been, you know, they just got, not your uncle's Miami or whatever you want to say, but Lara still will ball screen Miami. us to death. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know that's that's waiting. Nigel Pack is always waiting to get like 12 threes up against Duke, and I'm sure Omir <laughs> will just be like. Yeah. all conference caliber um and then you turn it right back around to go to a weight team that's going to be hungry to see mm-hmm. this duke team again they're probably thinking like if we don't play that poor, we, we don't miss our first 10 12, threes 12 we win this game right so um you know could could be a bit of a trap there hopefully uh hopefully we can come out guns blazing and uh and get it done but um you know again brian want to thank you for coming back on i know we took a lot of your time here anything you got going in terms of writing covering i, I don't I don't anticipate you being on the road. Maybe at Wake, are you going to be at the Duke Wake game? It's tempting, probably probably not. Though it is tempting. Um, I'm from Winston, so but I really don't often like get back to to games at the Joel, uh, which is like an arena that's very special to me. Um, but no, probably probably not. But I should be at every Duke game for the rest of the season. Um, I would love to write more on this team. I'm just been having trouble finding. Uh, sort of like the time to to get into more of that this year but there certainly will be more stuff on duke throughout the season um at you know the devil's den um you can find most of my stuff there some stuff at pack pride with state um some stuff at dvd can digest on lake forest um but yeah covering the acc at large and follow me on twitter at bguys underscore bird um try to do lots of breakdowns and stuff there too lots of numbers and um yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always fun to come on and uh, you talk ball. I appreciate you guys uh, wanting to kind of like get into the, the weeds a little bit. On Geek out a little stuff. bit with this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We love fun. it. We love it. Uh, also, for all of our fans and that, you know, like to listen to the next level or like to watch the NBA, um, Brian does a lot of work with the Hornets over there. Yeah. So obviously, Big Mark, um, you can go check out some of that stuff. Uh, Hornets are, I think there's room to to be pretty optimistic. I thought they yeah. fleeced a little bit at the deadline. I, like so I was deadline. pretty, yeah, I was pretty they pumped did, about that. But they they did well. They did well. And if you're looking for a Duke angle, Seth Curry uh, homecoming yep, yep. into Charlotte, and he's played. I don't, I don't. Today they're having their last game before the the All Star break, but he played great against the Pacers. Yeah, I think um, they got back to back wins. Yeah, the night, for the first they, time all season. Yeah, that's right. They beat Atlanta tonight. Yeah, they it like they did a cool thing. Um, where they were able to ship off some veteran players and pick up multiple first-round picks in return, which yep. is something I've been begging them to do for a while now. They finally did it. But not only that, they brought in some, like, you know, just some sort of – some of it, it's hard to tell if it was, like, salary filler. Some of them, I think, are, like, upside bets, like Trey Mann um, from Oklahoma City. Um, but they Williams. just, like, immediately yeah. upgraded the playmaking on the roster. 
because like after all these to to like to get all these trades to work out, they had to release some guys. So they release Frank Nielakina, Ish Smith, um, and James Booknight, the lottery pick from three years ago. Yeah, oof, and, brutal. Uh, yeah, it's not worked out. Uh, I don't know what next steps are for him. He's been pretty. It's been a pretty pretty rough start. But basically, like they got they got younger and more creative with the basketball, and they added some first round picks. And like, the, look, they stink. But like the, Miller, Brandon Miller, the rookie's been awesome this year. You've got Mark Lamelo. Like, there's a young core there, and they're yep. like net positive in terms of first round picks now after the Rozier deal and after the PJ Washington deal too. So. Um. Yeah. I, yeah. All the we we do a lot of stuff on Busby. We may do a, a pod actually tomorrow, sort of like looking at this recent stretch of play uh, heading into the All Star break. Actually, and you can find the, find that pod on you know Spotify, Apple Podcast, all that stuff too. Yeah. Good deal. Grant good deal. Seth, huh? uh, hometown kids. So yeah. Exa- yep. You know. yeah. I think I think that was with Dell in the call too. So that's yeah. always clutch, right? <laughs> it is. It is pretty. It's pretty cool. And like you can tell, Dell like a couple times per game has to like pinch himself and be like, <laughs> "That's my son." Like, <laughs> it's it's pretty cool. It's actually pretty cool. And uh, yeah, it's it's awesome to have the two. I think the team was excited to bring two Charlotteans back for the sure. uh, for you know for this you know. You know, stretch run or you know rebuild that they've got on the horizon, but certainly good to have good guys and like good NBA rotation players like yeah. on the roster. It's it's um they, they did good work at the deadline. Um uh the last last two weeks have been some of the best in recent history for the Hornets, which <laughs> says a lot, I suppose. He <laughs> did his best work right before uh getting demoted. He, I, I mean I, I really do it it does go to show like that the reason why they weren't making those kinds of like future first, um, you know, trades was because like Mitch Kupchak didn't have the say from ownership when my, when Michael Jordan was hmm, what change in the ownership, like in like all the reports out of Charlotte, the last couple of weeks were like new, the new ownership was they, they pushed Mitch Kupchak to get these deals done and he's going to stay on as some like advisor role, which is fine. Like they've drafted pretty well other than book night. Um, with Mitch there and like again like it wasn't like Mitch didn't know how to like make trades he just like he wasn't yeah. greenlit by ownership for the last six years like finally happened so um there's there are reasons for optimism and they're not splitting the atom this is like team building 101 but like it, it's enough to make me like yep. feel a little bit better about the like intermediate uh future of the of the Hornets yeah, for sure. Especially if they, uh, I know they've kind of targeted the, the big guy from France, but um, a little bit maybe in the draft. So we'll, we'll see. We don't yeah, want to have to yeah, get yeah. Too, too deep on this. But um, anyway, again, to thank, thanks for coming on, Brian. Obviously, check out that stuff at thedevilston.com over on Twitter as well. Um, rate, review, subscribe. We went an hour and a half. So if you don't know where to find us by now, I'm not sure you're going to find us. So I'm not going to go through all of that for everyone's sake. Um, but keep the faces <laughs> strong in the verb. Go do.